Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hold up your imaginary softball and throw it. And then you switch hands. You hold the ball in the opposite hand and you throw that one forward. And what you feel is that it's awkward when you're in your wrong hand, your non-dominant hand. But you know if you broke your arm and you had to throw with that hand over and over and over again, eventually you'd become competent at it. You'd be able to throw just fine. But imagine the extra effort it would take you to become competent in that hand. And you might become competent, but you probably wouldn't feel excellent. And it's just like that in the office with your strengths. You have things that feel like you're really in your full, strong-handed mode, and you have things that pull you out of it where you really have to work. Like if you have activator like Dave and you want to move fast, let's go, let's just get things started, and you're in a company or a role where some your job is to constantly say, no, let's slow down. Let's think more carefully. No, let's make sure all the bases are covered, you know, very carefully before we get off the starting blocks. All those kinds of things, they would be really frustrating. You could be competent in them. It would feel a lot smoother. You'd have a lot more ease, energy, and enjoyment if you were in your strong-handed moments. Welcome to the NICE Podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. I'm a big believer in the power of personality assessments. And when I'm working with some of my clients or delivering presentations and workshops, I often refer to how useful such assessments can be to improve your leadership skills and the results of your team. I'm going to share more about this in just a moment. And as you heard Denise Jacobs mention on episode two, personality assessments are best used not to discover your strengths exactly, but rather to validate them. So today we're going to dig deep into the topic with an expert. I'm so thankful you're tuning in. It's so good to have you here. Be sure to visit nicepodcast.co for the show notes and much more. And special thanks to Chris and Jeremy for leaving reviews of the Nice Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You guys rock. I'm Lisa Cummings, and I'm coming to you from here in Austin, Texas. And I own Lead Through Strengths. This is a training company, and we help teams accomplish more by figuring out what's already true and good and possible about them. And we do that primarily through Strengths Finder. And it's just an amazing way to turn around a culture and as a leader, really get insights into 
how people can bring their A game at work. It's like finding the stuff that is awesome about them that you couldn't see before you had these conversations. So that's how I spend my time. I love it. I love it. I'm a big believer in personality assessments and and have have dabbled with them over the years. In fact, my dad was a headhunter head hunter back in the, I guess, 80s, probably even late 70s. And, uh, and at some point, he had access to a personality assessment service. And I don't recall what the name was off the top of my head. It might have been StrengthsFinder. Um, but he actually interviewed, or he let me do it when I was like 20, I think, 19 or 20. And I have a cop, or I, I found the copy not too long ago, I guess last year, and I'm actually trying to find it again. Um, but when I, I read through it, and I was shocked to see just how accurate it still is for the most part, you know, all those years wow. later. Yeah, that's fascinating. It, it is interesting. Donald Clifton, the guy who originated StrengthsFinder, is pretty emphatic that your first results are your best results and that they're persistent over time. And there's been a lot of research that they've done over the years now to see, well, do they change? And what they found is that they largely stay the same. Your top 10 is about your top 10 and they will change order depending on what's going on in your life or your role or things like that. But it's amazing how much the core ingredients of us stay persistent. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, we were talking before before we started recording, but I, I've been helping a friend work through some career, uh, her next move in her career. And, you know, she had never done StrengthsFinder. So I suggested, hey, you, you really need to do this. And so we went over to the website together. And lo and behold, there's you featured in a video right there on the website. So I was like, oh, Lisa's perfect to talk to. <laughs> so no, so thanks for thinking of you. See you there. It was a really pleasant surprise. Thank you. It's been fun to be on the homepage for a couple of years now. Yeah, that's amazing. So how did this, how did, how did this come to be? How did you get into this, this field, this, this space? Like, I know, I know that your background, you, I know that you had a job. I watched uh, some of your videos and things in your Ted talk, which is excellent. Uh, and you talked about, you know, having this job like George Clooney's and up in the air where you were like traveling around firing people. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about that. And, and was that what led you to maybe, you know, focus on some self-discovery and maybe make a change? You know, that was a core moment when I found StrengthsFinder again, because I was so burnt out and I was so drained by that role being not what I thought it was. But I, you know, I originally discovered StrengthsFinder years before that. And it was when I was a first time manager and I had a couple of team members I just didn't understand. And I suspected I might need to fire a couple of people and I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought I better go figure out me first, make sure I'm not being a crappy manager, make sure I have some good awareness about what's going on. And I found the book First Break All the Rules. And then I discovered StrengthsFinder and all of Gallup's work. And it was the most enlightening experience maybe of a lifetime when I realized there were so many things about people on the team that were hidden that I couldn't see. And maybe when I got really self-aware, I I came to believe I didn't want to see because I was so obsessed with the things they were doing wrong that I couldn't see the things they were doing right. And Mm. that's, that's when I got obsessed with it. And I used it as a manager and I used it as a, a thing over the years. And then about six years ago, I decided I'm going to make this my life's work. I never tire of it. It's something that I thought was just kind of an obvious, like everyone's going to catch on to this. It couldn't, couldn't possibly make up all of my work, but 
it's amazing. We're humans and we have that negative cognitive bias and mm-hmm. we want to see what um, what dangers are in front of us, I guess. And so it's really easy for us to see what's going wrong and it's difficult for people to make the concerted effort to see what's right. And it changes everything on the team. And when you, when you do it for yourself, you know, as a leader, um, you know, obviously you, you, you hit some discoveries, some, some that might not be a surprise and, and, and others, you know, where you might uh, really confirm things that you maybe didn't realize so much. Um, what are the best steps for sort of implementing or, or, you know, using this newfound knowledge or this confirmation? I think you hit on a really important point, which is self-awareness first. You know, it's easy for a leader to think, well, I've got, I need to figure out all the team. And that's useful, but really taking some time to figure out what do these look like on you? How do they affect your leadership? Check out the book, Strengths-Based Leadership by Gallup. Mm. And they help you filter the self-awareness concept through these four topics of hope, stability, compassion, and trust. Mm. I found that really an enlightening way to start because I realized with my talents, I'm not naturally going to create stability for the team. I'm going to create a lot of change. And for some people, it's going to feel like chaos and they're not going to feel like they know what to expect or that they can really get masterful at something. Mm. And that's a a great first step is self-awareness. And then the next step that is big in rolling it out with the team is having meaningful conversations over time. And I think it's an important step if you, if you will call it a step because it's many, um, many steps over time, kind of like working out, you know, where you, you really do need to have the meaningful conversation over time. That's what changes the culture. And this is a tool that allows you to have the awareness and the door openers so that people feel comfortable having those kind of conversations with you. Yeah, that's great. And in your TEDx talk, you talk, you quoted a Gallup poll that found that like every team out of like every team of 10 people, nine were not like really satisfied with their jobs or they weren't really digging it, I think is what you said. Um, what, what are your, your suggestions or recommendations for a team? I mean, once a leader um, has gone through StrengthsFinder and, and, have has a better idea of how she leads a team. What, what are the best ways to implement this uh, for a team? So, what w- being a training company, of course, I think of training as a first thing. It's a spark. It's a great way to kick it off, make it part of the culture, make it an expectation. I'm not really a big fan of doing the bottoms down or the or the bottom up or the top down kind of approaches where it's just one direction. Right. It makes a lot more sense to me when you you kick it off with the team. Everyone gets their results. They understand their top 5 talent themes. And what's really interesting about Strengths Finder and implementing it at work is that it helps you understand how people can do any job at their best. You probably already have a really good familiarity with what they do. They know their skills, their knowledge areas. People have expertise that you're familiar with. This adds a layer to each person's career brand that most people have never thought of, which is how they think, how they interact with others, how they get things done. So it opens a whole new set of conversations over time, and it takes a while to spot them in action. So the more you build it into the language that you use, team meeting conversations. So I do some formal stuff like personally with my company, I kick it off with a strengths event and then I offer follow-up tools to give managers 
conversations because mm-hmm. no, they already have a full-time job. They don't want to be thinking about strengths-based conversations at, at night when they sleep. So I give them the one-on-one conversations to have with their team and activities. And then it starts to take root. And then it becomes how you have your one-on-ones. It becomes the first question when you're coaching and you ask, oh, how could that look if you led through your strengths on this instead of letting them go into a totally different area about the person at work who's frustrating them or the person that can't get a response from an email or the customer who is difficult to work with. And it changes the way you coach and think and talk. So that's it. It's it's systematically over time building it into the conversations, building it into eventually processes and systems if the organization is open to that kind of thing. But it's sprinkling it everywhere. So it becomes like salt in in a dish, you know, where it's it's so baked into everything you don't even notice it's there any longer, but it colors the way you have conversations as a team. And is part of that process also like identifying these strengths uh, in team members, but also communicating those strengths with one another so that they better understand, you know, how they can work as a team or how they can work with specific individuals? Oh, yeah, of course. So there's the basic stuff that you would expect. Like you can yeah, hang up a list of people's top five in their cubicles or on their desks. We we offer frames for people. So they put them up and then you walk up to someone's desk and you go, ah, includer, they're probably going to want to be included on this thing. So I'm going to make sure that I ask them for their input and you can start to see the visible reminders. But then also you can open the conversations and keep it going so that you can use them. Like for example, um, as a leader, you can share how you see yours might affect the team and start asking them, opening the door for them to have conversation with you. Let me give you an example. Um, I had a manager who kicked off with one of our trainings and he has these two talent themes called command and activator. And command is kind of like it would sound. It's it's very uh, direct leadership. They're very crisp in their communication. They can come up with, you know, the perfect way to say something just in three words and somebody else would take many paragraphs An activator is one that it moves fast. Let's get it going. Let's not wait. And what he realized is maybe every time I talk, they think that it's a directive, but really he is, he's coming up with ideas. He's sharing things, but because they, they get a vibe for who he is and he's so direct in his communication, they're taking all of this stuff added to their plate. So his team was just perpetually, feeling underwater and buried like they couldn't get ahead and that he was unrealistic and he didn't understand their jobs because he kept on piling on more and more. But really in his mind, he wasn't piling anything. He thought they were like volunteering, taking all this extra stuff on, taking initiative because they liked the idea. So just the idea that it opens these conversations and that if you're a leader, you can say, hey, I see this could be a thing. It could be a shadow side of what's supposed to be great about me. But if it's mistaken, or if it's not understood and I'm not creating a place where you can ask questions or we can have a conversation about it, we can misunderstand each other. So then you can really, you can start using it to assign work. You can start using it to have these uh, more open conversations about performance. You can unlock your whole list and see what's at your bottom and what's at someone else's top and where you might naturally have some rub points where you would butt heads or you could be perfect partners with each other. And then you just get deeper and deeper into the application. That's when it comes, becomes pretty amazing. Yeah, that sounds amazing. The, um, you know, and I'll give mine away by the way. So, um, 
because I, uh, and I should say like after over the last couple of years, I've done some soul searching and my own career and, and my, my writing and, and my, you know, just all the work that I've done over the years. And what it comes down for me is the number one is communication, right? Like it, and it was, it wasn't so much like, whoa, it is, or it was, whoa, it is, but it wasn't like a complete shock either. Um, my five are harmony, activator, woo, consistency, and communication. And so for me, like, it's all about communication and something that I've realized a friend, Chris Brogan recently posted a video on LinkedIn talking about how people mistaken him for a technologist because he's always worked in the tech space. I too have worked in the tech space for much of my career. And what I've realized is that it was more, it's, it's more about my passion for communicating with people. For example, you know, I, I ran a BBS, a bulletin board system on my Commodore 64 back in the eighties, which I just dated myself there. Uh, (laughs) But it was, it was getting up in the middle of the night and like chatting, like actually chatting with people using my computer it wasn't so much. So when I talk and I recently just bought an, uh, an old, uh, an actual original Commodore 64 and I've started geeking out with it again, but people keep asking me like, what, what games are you going to play? What games are you going to play? And I'm, I was never really a gamer. I was more into the communication side of like interacting with people. And so with all of my career, whether it's in performance, you know, performing improv and studying improv or whether it's, you know, podcasting or writing or speaking with people or networking, it all comes down to communication for me. And just, you know, have you had these other revelations for either for yourself or for clients where they've, they've realized like, whoa, like it all makes sense. Oh, totally. I mean, I get everything from the salesperson recently who read the report and, and said, this is the nicest stuff anyone has said about me in a long time because it just like, it's, it's, it's you, you, you put the answers in. So Mm -hmm. you would imagine it's going to reflect you and it's all framed in a positive way. And yeah, it's really common actually. And it's one of the clues to talent that you can look back over your life and go, Oh yeah, of course. You know, I look back and say, of course, when I was a kid and I was always talking to strangers and my sister would be saying like, do you know them? Why are you talking to them? Well, cause I have woo and I love meeting strangers. That's totally comfortable to me. And right. she does not, that would be horrible for her. She thinks that's bizarre <laughs> and being able to look back at maximizer and see the examples of how, yeah, I've always see, seen people's potential. I would be, I was the captain on the volleyball team and I would mm-hmm. see a thing in someone and I would be like, Oh, if we can just pull that, that, thread of talent out. This person's going to be amazing. And I could see it before other people could see it or before they could see it in themselves. So yeah, you can look back over your life and it's interesting. And you can also see when it was raw. Like maybe you were the kid who wouldn't stop talking if you had communication, but then as you age and you understand how to use it for good and how to apply it to the right situations, then it becomes really mature and you can get a lot done with it instead of it getting you in trouble. Yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah. I actually did an exercise that I, I first heard about from Pat Flynn uh, in his book, uh, Will It Fly? And he, he uh, wrote about it from, I think he got it from Gary Vee. Um, this, this idea, this exercise of writing an email to 10 people who know you really well, um, but from different, like different backgrounds, like people, maybe a childhood friend and maybe a friend of the family, maybe a client, uh, you know, a coworker, a colleague, investor, whatever, and reaching out to these people who know you quite well and asking them, you know, in their opinion, what are, what are your, what, what are your superpowers? And so I 
which is kind of like, you know, a daunting task. And it's something I'm, I'm writing about in the book, uh, in my new book, but it's a great exercise. And what I did when I, when I did this is I, you know, communication, it, it was shocking to see how communication came like that was the top thing. It, it, and, and this is like childhood friends. They all said it in different ways. Right. But, mm-hmm. but it all really came down to communication. So it was pretty, pretty eye opening that way. What that's is, amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it was great. So what does it mean? Cause you talk about using your strengths daily. Like what does it mean to use your strengths daily? Well, one of my favorite ways to use your strengths daily is when anything comes up that day that you're just, you know, you're just not feeling it that day or someone's frustrating you or you're not, you just feel like your mojo meter's low and you're not getting much done. Mm-hmm. And you think about the situation that you're in and then glance up at your list of your top five and just using them daily to be able to say, all right, what I'm doing right now isn't working for me. So how else could I do it? So when you look up at your list and you're like, okay, I'm not getting the response I need from someone, I could use my communication theme to find the right words to make this more palatable communication for them. So it's actually receivable by them. Or I could use my woo to welcome them in and make them feel more a part of the thing. Or I could use my harmony to understand, oh, there's actually conflict here and I can find the common ground between us and I can actually call it out because maybe the other person can't see it. Or you can use your activator to go, okay, my mojo meter's low, but too bad, just get moving. And you could use your consistency to say, all right, maybe I need to build a system or a structure or a habit so that I have like a standard operating procedure that would feel nice to me and I can build it into the system instead of feeling like I've slowed down on this thing. So that's just an example of like running through the list. You you would do that in your mind in 15 seconds, but anytime you feel stuck or down or off, or you're not getting the result you want, it's one of my favorite ways to use it daily is just to glance up at the list and see how they can get you unstuck or get you a better result than the one you're getting right now. Yeah, that's awesome advice. That's, that's really great. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, quote unquote weaknesses or, or, or the areas that we're not, you know, I mean, we can't all be stellar at everything. So like once we've sort of, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about discovering where our weaker points are and, and how best to address those. All right. Yeah. And one thing that surprises people is when I say, oh yeah, you don't, don't ignore your weaknesses just because I'm all about strengths. Um, It doesn't mean if something's getting in the way of your performance or something's getting in the way of your colleague or teammates performance, it needs to get fixed or worked around, or you might get fired or things aren't going to go well. So if you have a weakness, Great, but a lot of people will misidentify things or um, they'll obsess so much about their weaknesses, meaning what is getting in their way, what is broken about them, that they forget that they have these awesome features about Mm -hmm. themselves to focus on. So one is just kind of getting it in order, not being so lopsidedly focused on weaknesses. And then the other that comes up naturally in StrengthsFinder in that context is that I'll do work with teams and they have the opportunity to get their full 34. There are 34 strengths talent themes that are possible. And if you get the upgraded report, you can see your stack rank from the top to the bottom. And of course, People glance right over the whole list and they just go right to the bottom because they want to go, what am I crappy at? That's the first thing. And actually what that would reflect is somebody else's easy button for success, not yours. 
but it is just exactly what we do it as humans. You know, you look right to the bottom and go, where am I weak? And how do I bring that up? But you know, of 34 themes, something will always be number 34. So you can spend 80% of your time trying to bring number 34 up, or you could find somebody on your team to partner with who naturally has that. You could look at a part of your role that you've been leading by using that thing. And there are other ways to get the job done. And you just did it that way because that's the way it was shown to you. And that's the way it's been done. But maybe you could get the same outcome through one of your talents instead. And so it's really a self-awareness exercise that is um, figure out if you have weak points then sure, you can develop your weaknesses. You can become competent in your weaknesses. And all of us have at some point become competent in a weakness, but it takes more effort. It's not fun. It will drain you. So the goal over time is to spend fewer minutes a day in your weakness zone so that you're on the flip side. You have more ease, energy, and enjoyment from using your strengths. Yeah, that's great. So so you're sort of saying that you can you can still address, obviously you address those weaknesses. I mean, everyone, you know, there's the high and the, and the lower side of this. And, and do, do you think, cause you mentioned, you know, addressing the weaknesses and maybe working on those a little bit, but, but also maybe focusing more on your strengths, right. Instead of those weaknesses. So is that what you're yeah. saying? Like, like, like understanding your weaknesses and where you might be able to, to tweak things to, to improve, but at the same time, maybe, you know, sneaking past your weaknesses and focusing on those strengths instead. Yeah. So if I give you an example, I think of a past role. Um, I have a strategic talent theme, number one. I have the positivity talent theme, number two. They both make me very possibilities oriented. I love to live in the future, know where we're headed, find a quick path to get there. I get really enlivened by where we're going. Well, there's a talent theme called deliberative, and it's my number 34 or 33 or 34. I think it's 34. And it is, it also looks to the future and it's looking to the future, figuring out what could go wrong. It's a risk manager. It's looking for the potholes in advance. Well, my natural tendency is when I hear someone who's risk managing when we're on our way somewhere is I think, oh, here comes the devil's advocate. Oh, here they come to slow Mm -hmm. the idea down. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's put the brakes on so we can't change and make progress. And I get frustrated by it. But if you think about this, this could actually be a major weakness for a leader to not be willing to acknowledge what could go wrong, Mm -hmm. what's about to go wrong. So I can partner on purpose with someone who will help me see that side of things. And if we partner up in advance of feeling the conflict and it's like, hey, your role is the risk side of things. My role is to go out there and get people fired up about the vision. We're both going to like the part of the role we have that leads to us moving forward, but we're taking the parts that naturally feel great to us. We could each do the opposite thing, but it's draining. So the partnership thing and making your team well-rounded and covering things, not ignoring them. It's not just go be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand and ignore the fact that you don't prefer this stuff. But there are probably people on your team who do prefer 
to be in that mode. Like when I think risk manager or the words compliance, some of those things, I just think, ugh, that doesn't sound like fun at all. But some people love that. And so find those things. Just likewise, if I, I share woo with you, um, talking to strangers, that sounds not fun at all to a lot of people. But I can go to a conference or a trade show and make a bunch of new friends. I think that's a good time. Other people would think that just sounds awful. Mm-hmm. And so finding the thing that lights each person up and getting as much of their time as possible in that zone is effective. And if you're talking about your clients, smaller companies growing fast, imagine the possibilities when they're not in a, you know, a factory where a thousand people have the same job, they actually can grow into new roles and use this as a discovery for how each person can help the company grow and what kind of role will help them meet the business level objectives in the best way. It's a really cool way to help help it feel like they have a future in the company. And you can start asking questions about where do you see your talents at play in ways that we've never even been able to use them because in our current state, there's not a role for that or there's not a use for that. Yeah, this is this is really helpful. Um, before we go, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, or I wanted you to talk a little bit about your exercise, which I thought was brilliant. And by the way, I'll include links to the videos and, and things we talked about in the show notes. Um, but you talk, you do, you do an exercise with audiences, the wrong handed and strong hand, I think it is. So yeah. Yeah. Can you t- explain that a little bit? Cause I thought it was a really cool approach to, to, to handling this. Yeah, sure. Yes. What I'll, I'll often do is I'll have people hold up. So you can do this. If you're listening to the show, you hold your hand up and you imagine you're holding a softball in your hand and, and then throw it. So yeah, you'll look weird. You know, don't do it if you're in the middle of driving, but if you're, (laughs) if you're out going for a jog right now, or you're in the office, yeah, just hold up your imaginary softball and throw it. And then you switch hands, you hold the ball in the opposite hand and you throw that one forward. And what you feel is that it's awkward when you're in your wrong hand, your non-dominant hand. But you know if you broke your arm and you had to throw with that hand over and over and over again, eventually you'd become competent at it. You'd be able to throw just fine. But imagine the extra effort it would take you to become competent in that hand. And you might become competent, but you probably wouldn't feel excellent. You wouldn't want to be like, oh, I'm the first baseman now and I'm yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm zinging it with full accuracy. No, you'd just be like, I, I got this. I can I can do okay. And it's just like that in the office with your strengths. You have things that feel like you're really in your full strong handed mode and you have things that pull you out of it where you really have to work. Like if you have activator like Dave and you want to move fast, let's go, let's just get things started. And you're in a company or a role where some your job is to constantly say, no, let's slow down. Let's think more carefully. No, let's make sure all the bases are covered, you know, very carefully before we get off the starting blocks. All those kinds of things, they'll they would be really frustrating. You could be competent in them, but it would feel a lot smoother. You'd have a lot more ease, energy, and enjoyment if you were in your strong-handed moments more of the day. So I just like that as an exercise because you know you hold a pen in your dominant hand. You you hold things. You're you're um, in touch with your dominant hand a lot during the day. So um, it's an easy reminder to look down and go, "Oh yeah, I'm in my I'm in my dominant zone, or I'm in my non-dominant zone right now." 
Yeah, I love that, Lisa. So uh, where can people find you? I would go to leadthroughstrengths.com and you can find us online. There you'll find the website, but also your podcast listener. So go check out the show, Lead Through Strengths, and you can get some tips related to StrengthsFinder and culture building for your team out there too. That's great. That's very helpful. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap up? Anything else you're working on or like to promote? If you ever want to kick this off with your team and you want the training, just go to leadthroughstrengths.com slash training. You can see our virtual offerings, our in-person offerings, but moreover, just leave you with the thought that when you're using your strengths, it strengthens your performance. And when you're using your weaknesses all day, it weakens your performance and it does the same for your team members. So it's a great thought to leave you on and you can go out and watch for that with your team this week. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the next podcast. Theme music provided by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. Hey, if you enjoyed the conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. The links are in the description. I'll have more of that soon. Did you know that new subscribers of the Nice Baker email newsletter receive a free copy of my little ebook, Improve with Improv? Each Friday, I share nice stories, tools, tips, and much more. And you can grab it now from nicemaker.co or by clicking the link in the episode description. I'm Dave Delaney. Take care and be nice. But when I